yeah, I mean, I, I think the present of music is it's definitely uh, an interesting time. You know, in uh, the 1960s, right? You couldn't. There was no social media. There was no. Uh, there's really no media that really can push your music out. It was really just about producing good music. You know, Elvis Presley. All he had to worry about was slicking the hair back and writing a good song that would appease the uh, 18-year-old fans he had. Um, and now it's just so. I want to welcome everyone to another episode of the Let's Get Podcast. I'm your host, Zeke, and in this episode, I have Alexander to speak about writing about music. I think you have a content only thing, Sean Lee, this episode, and hope you have a nice day and enjoy the show. I'd like to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being interested. So, the first question I'd like to ask is, what would your origin story be, and how would you like to represent it? Um, you know, I really fell in love with music when I first started playing basketball in um, second grade. You know, like, I moved around a lot when I was younger. I moved to Charlotte, Atlanta, and one of the big things that really helped me connect with a lot of people on my basketball teams uh, was music. Um, and it was really a big thing that I grew up on specifically, um, hip hop music, you know, with a lot of these basketball teams, we have kids from, uh, the West side of Atlanta, North side, South side, all different areas. Um, and the one big thing that really brought us together was music. And that was really a powerful, um, medium for me and has really caused me to pursue this giant, uh, writing and coding related to, uh, music. And I think the best thing that would um, represent that is an album and specifically an album like Kanye West's um, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Um, you know, it's such a overall incredible album. And one of the big things with My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy was that he was bringing together so many people to create the album. And I think that's really what's defined me uh, from my basketball years, you know, bringing all these people together with music and um, is what I want to do in the future as well. Nice, nice. So let's stay on that for a second. So you say um, music, so like you say you fell in hip and everything. So like what about it kind of like helps you connect? Is like the story that the um, artists tell or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, every artist talks about something that's relatable. You know, they, they talk about um, you know, relationships, uh, the modern, uh, modern world, politics, all that stuff. And for me, music was really that, that opener for a lot of the conversations we had, you know, a lot of the kids on my team were completely different backgrounds, completely different lives. And music was really that thing that we all had in common and, you know, liking the new Kanye album or liking the new, you know, NBA Youngboy album was that one thing that we could really all talk about um, and enjoy and really brought us together. Got it, got it. And and since I help you with moving and everything, you say you want to make an album, so you say you want to bring people together. What would kind of be like the connecting theme of that album to bring people together? Um, you know, creativity is such a, such a big thing for, for everyone. Um, 
And, you know, creativity is really just an essential human aspect. And I think, um, you know, almost everything we do involves creativity in some way, whether that's making a podcast, whether that's writing or even basketball, where you're creating plays um, and thinking of how to win and being creative with that type of stuff. And I think creativity is that one big human connector where everyone can be involved and everyone has their own type of ideas from their personal lives and just their backgrounds. And I think creativity is that one big aspect that has caused me to connect with so many great writers, um, whether that be at Ear Milk or uh, other companies and um, connect with a lot of the artists I talk to as well. Sick on creativity, you chose writing to be part of the music. Why did you choose writing? Um, you know, personally, I'm not a great artist. I, I can't <laughs> sing at all. Uh, my, my singing would, would definitely hurt some ears. It's not good. Um, and so, but you know, I always loved, I always had this incredible joy for music and always had this great passion for music. And, you know, I really want to, want to contribute, um, to music, you know, it, it played such a, a central role, a role for me when I was younger that I really wanted to get back to it in some way. Um, and I just found writing to be the perfect medium for me. Um, you know, I really found it a really rewarding experience to talk to an artist, talk to them about their music and try to help them in the career. And I, I think writing has definitely lost, um, some of its, uh, lust in the past 10 years, you know, everything has moved more to audio and video, but, you know, just being involved in industry and talking to artists is just so, it's so rewarding for me. I really love doing it. Um, and I think, you know, I really want to give back and it's, it's, it's for my, uh, I, you know, I wrote a book called, uh, uh, the history of hip hop that just touched about hip hop and the origins of it. And, you know, it's really been a big thing in my life to, to try to give back to music in any way possible. And whether that be writing about its history or helping artists that are going to be coming up in the future. Got it. Got it. And with writing, have you learned a lot more about music with your writing? Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I first started uh, writing, I didn't really have a, a great um, music knowledge, I would say. You know, I didn't really know about hi-hats and 808s and a lot of the production type things that go behind music i really you know all i really knew was i'd listen to a a bob song in fifth grade and say oh that's pretty good uh, and <clears throat> and that was really a big thing for me and so once i started writing about music more i started really learning about it and i was able to talk a lot better about the things that really make music good um, you know, a lot of the, the things that a lot of general listeners don't listen to, such as the production, the layering of um, ad libs and production, um, the really the intricate details that make a song good was what really allowed me to write better about music in the past couple of years. Got it. Got it. Now with music, more of music in the writing. So how do you like approach writing about music? What comes first? Um, you know, just pure listening in the beginning. Um, you know, I, I really think it's, you have to think about music um, from that initial listen, you know, but you can't take all of your opinions from the initial listen because, you know, albums such as 
Kanye West's Yeezus, right? When that everyone first listened to that, everyone thought it was garbage. Um, and now five, 10 years later, right? We all think it's an absolute masterpiece. And it was a layering, it was like that initial spark that created this giant um amount of new artists such as Travis Scott, uh Playboy Cardi. And and so I think it's really important to take a first listen and and write down what you feel, but then to go back to it and really dive deep into the music and to really think about, you know, is this a bad song or is this a good song? And to really just think about the production, the lyrics, um, and just the overall feeling of the the song. And that's how I really try to write about music. So it's more like details, like, okay, you have your initial reaction, but things grow on you over time and you also change. Of course, you know, a lot of great reviewers um, have talked about this. Um, you know, Anthony Fantano, um, he's a really big music reviewer in the space. He does albums on, he does reviews on pretty much every single album that's been out there. Um, and he's, he's actually gone back and re-listened to some albums that he gave bad ratings to. Um, and he said he's liked them more. So I, I think it's, even if you don't like an album in the beginning, sometimes it can grow on you. And sometimes you can come back and say, wow, like I was wrong. Um, and I think that's really important for a lot of music writers to, to, to do because, you know, not everyone is right all the time. It's a uh, lost art in these days. It's okay to change your mind, change your opinion. Of course, you know, the, the initial reaction is not always the right reaction. Yeah. So I always, always wonder, like, what kind of separates a critic from somebody else who has an opinion? I always want to wonder about that. Um, you know, the big thing, the big difference between a critic and a, just a, a normal listener, um, I would say, is that just just time. Um, you know, any listener can become a critic with enough time and enough writing. Um, when I first started writing, of course, I just wasn't, I didn't know what I was listening for. I didn't know what I was writing about. Um, and I think that's with, with a lot of people, just podcasts as well. You know, like when you first start making podcasts, you don't know what you're doing and you're trying to figure it out. And then as you continue to make more episodes and interview more people, you start to really figure out what to do. Um, and I think that's, that's the real difference between critics and fans. You know, critics just have so much experience with listening to music, to listening to music intently and to listening to the specific parts of it. And I think any, any fan can honestly become a critic with enough time. Cool. Tell about this putting your, shopping your tool, putting your 10,000 hours in and seeing, and just getting better at articulating your point. Yeah, of course. Cause a lot of times people say this sucks, but they are not saying that's not like a complete statement or sentence is more of certain parts of it. Does it either work for them or does it work in total? Yeah. I mean, you know, like on Twitter, right? You can see thousands of um, of tweets about the new Playboy Cardi album sucking. And, you know, it's just that. It's just like, this album sucks. I don't like it. Uh, but when you really get a, when you see like a critic's tweet or a critic's article, it's going to be much more in depth about this song, this production, this instrument in this song sucks. And that's where the real difference is between a critic and a fan because a critic will really go in depth into their explanation as why they don't like a song or an album. Got it. Sticking on that, would you 
can you listen too much? Can you like get too deep into a song as a critic where you're listening too hard and you forget to enjoy it? And then that can oh. like affect your rating? Yeah, I mean, 100%. Sometimes, you know, when you listen to a song on repeat over and over and over again, you can start to get bored of it, of course. And so then you start to lose that sort of initial feeling because, you know, the feeling is so important in music. It's really what surrounds a lot of the Drake albums, the Kanye albums that make them so great. And I think the initial feeling is, is so important and you, you just can't, you can't lose it. You have to, when you're reviewing an album, you're really listening deeply to it. You have to keep that initial listen in mind. Got it. And then so going to go back to music. So who's your favorite artists and why? You know, I have to say Kanye. I mean, he's such a controversial figure, but there isn't that many artists that can completely change their sound over 20 years with five different albums and still remain relevant. You know, there's been great artists like Andre 3000 and um, NBA Youngboy, but the difference between those artists and a Kanye West is that they're sticking to what they know they're going to stick to this type of music they know, and they're not really going to go outside of it. But with a Kanye West, he's going to completely change his sound. It's going to sound nothing like his last album. And, you know, he's going to put out there, he's going to say, I don't care. You know, this is what I want to pursue. And if it doesn't hit mainstream, then that's okay with me because music is really what's important to me, not getting the dollars. Nice. Sick by Kanye. I say my favorite albums of Kanye are College Dropout, Graduation, mm -hmm. and My My Twisted The Fantasy. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I mean, those are all really great albums. I mean, I'm really excited because, you know, I think Donda, uh, you know, he's really coming into a new space after uh, the divorce with uh, Kim Kardashian. And so I'm excited to hear type of those, sort of those ideas on how coronavirus affected him and how his divorce affected them. I think it's going to be a really great album. Yeah. It's like that passion, like that energy is back. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, he's, you know, a lot of these artists nowadays, they're, they're old. And so they sort of need that that fire to get under them. You know, Drake is 33, 34, something mm -hmm. like that. Like he's, he's an old timer now. And so he, a lot of these artists, they need that fire underneath them to really start creating art like they did in their 20s, like with the college dropout. Yeah, so it's like, when you're on the come up, you have you're on your your back against the wall, so you're trying to fight. And then once you make it, then you try to find reasons to keep fighting. Yeah, and I think I you know I've really been excited about Drake and the the whole Drake Kanye West <laughs> rivalry between them because I think you know it's really I mean the big reason why Kanye West then dropped on the I personally feel is that he's seen all these tweets about Drake's new album being this crazy ten out of ten album. And he doesn't want to drop an album that's not going to be a 10 out of 10. And so I think that type of rivalry between them is going to be super good for both of their projects coming out. Yeah, friendly rivalry is always good. Yeah. I would say my favorite artist is Jay-Z. Yeah, I mean, most. I, I think I, I listened to his his most recent album. Uh, I think it was like 444. And it was, it was a super good album. I, I think, you know, Jay-Z is sort of in that 
he's in the business bag now. You know, he's really in investments and business and all that. But he can still really, I, he could definitely put out a project that's that's good. Yeah, definitely. And so, in your um journey with music and everything, like hip hop is it's such a young music genre and is always changing. How do you feel about the changes? Um. Uh, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited for the changes. Um, you know, one of the big things I want to see in the future of hip hop is this sort of experimentation with different genres. Um, you, you know, you saw with Lil Nas X with country music of all genres. Um, and I think more artists that dive into these other genres and try to pull them into what rap music is right now could be super interesting. You know, country rap, uh, punk, punk rap, uh, rock rap, you know, a lot of these different meshes of genre could be super interesting for the future of music and specifically for rap. Definitely. Because when J. Cole was talking to like, um, was it Lil Pump? He's talking about how he was at first resistant to the change in rap, but then he had to sit back and realize that everything changes. Mm-hmm. It's a time and place for everything. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the, guys that have been in the game for 10 15 years they don't want to wrap the change because they've been in this sweet spot where they're at the top of their game they're at the top of the genre and everyone wants to listen to them but you know when you have low pump six nine uh these artists coming in and like doing like meme rap and getting absolutely famous from it you know a lot of these old heads don't like to see that um but i think it's good for the it's good for the genre i think it it brings in uh sort of that new type of music um, that can be meshed into, you know, something like a new Drake album or something like that. Definitely. And to go and continue with rap, when you read the history of rap, what, what, what kind of your reaction to it? You know, rap is such a, it's such a complex genre in its history. There's so many influences that really brought rap into what it is today. Um, and I think one of the big things that surprised me was just how hated T-Pain was uh, in his day. I mean, everyone, he was creating this super revolutionary auto-tune. Um, and now we look back on it and we say, wow, T-Pain was really this revolutionary. Um, but at the time when I was doing all this research, they were saying like Usher was coming up to T-Pain's and he was like ruining the, the music industry. And so <laughs> um, I think a lot of, creatives that are really pushing the genre get hated in the beginning um but as time moves on you know they really you really see how valuable they were to the to the industry as a whole even rap was like that too when there was rap versus disco at the time mm-hmm. and then they'll get kicked out of the disco clubs and then kicked out of the parks and everything and then yeah exactly i mean rap in the beginning was was not like a lot of people didn't look at rap as a valuable genre until recently, um, you know, last 20, 30 years. Um, and so I think a lot of, you know, rap has really become this main mainstream genre. I think rap may even uh, overpass a lot of the, the pop albums that are coming out. Um, and so it's, it's really interesting to see how rap started in this super small Brooklyn party. And now it's become this worldwide phenomenon where you can hear, UK drill and Latin pop and Latin rap. Um, and so it, it's definitely been a journey for rap and it'd be super interesting to see how it evolves in the future as well. Yeah, it was a Bronx party. 
believe it was, yeah, who hurts. Yeah, yeah. Just in, just in case somebody comments like, no, it was the Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it started in the Bronx. Um, and, you know, initially it was more around this whole disco scene. And they brought in these people to just sort of put on ad libs almost um, onto the to the dance music and to really just pump up a lot of the dancers to get involved with the parties. Um, and then a lot of the dancers were like, shoot, I like the I like the freaking people doing the ad libs more than the actual music. And then they brought these kids on and they were doing three minute sets instead of 20 second sets. Um, that's really just how rap started. Um, and then because a lot of the cassettes and radio play just became this giant phenomenon. It was always cool how it was young people, because like all revolutions, like protests, is always like young people over the ones making the change. Yeah, I mean, one of the big things I really liked about you know early rap was it was it was sort of this medium for a lot of young people to really express a lot of the things that were going on with them. And you know, Bronx was the Bronx were a really tough time in, in New York history, especially for minorities at the time. And rap was really this medium where they could um, talk about and talk to the mainstream about all the struggles that were being put against them. And you can see that sort of trend um, continue with Ice Cube, um, NWA, with uh, Kendrick Lamar. And it's really been a big trend with rap music to be this sort of medium for change. And I think it's been a great medium for a lot of minorities to talk about the struggles that are going on in the communities and to talk about and to sort of express that to some of the suburbs that may not experience that. Yeah, the thing about that is like a lot of songs are all timeless and that sucks because that means the problems are still going on. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, yeah, it's, it's, there's definitely been, I mean, it's, it's a better world than it was in the 1960s. I think everyone can agree with that. But there's always room for change and there's always improvement. And, you know, we have, we definitely have, we've gone a long way from the 60s, but we have a long way to go in the future as well. Yeah. And then, what's your opinion on like timeless music? Because a lot of people say like, you can listen to like the 90s, like the most popular, the ones always put up 90s rap, it always sounds mm-hmm. timeless. And I wonder mm-hmm. if like the music today will sound timeless in the, in the future. Yeah. I mean, the the 90s the 90s is definitely a classic genre you know it, it it created so much good music and really laid the 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 foundation for a lot of artists like 21 savage um the migos uh, a lot of these mainstream artists that we see today and i think in 10 20 years when we have the next batch of great hip hop artists we'll be looking back on the drake albums and the Kanye West albums and the Travis Scott albums and really say, you know, these are classic albums that really laid the foundation for the next 20, 30 years. Let's see. We shall, we shall. I mean, Rodeo, Rodeo from Travis Scott has definitely laid the the foundation for a lot of artists now um, with that sort of trap um, rock influence and that uh, definitely the auto tune as well on top of it. Um, so we will definitely see which which albums stand the, the test of time. And with like writing, go back to writing. Do you ever feel like pressure to like um 
to not be like a to not sound like a fan, to not sound like too much of a fan of an artist, and to, to be critical. Yeah, you know that's that's one of the biggest things um, with writing, and specifically with with music writing. You know, I'm into a lot of artists. You know, Kanye West, Drake, some some underground artists that are coming up, like Don Tolliver and Dominic Fike, some of those type of artists. And you know, when you write about them in an article, you have to be candid. You can't just say, "Oh, I love Travis Scott," and so I'm just gonna write rave review on his album even if it sucks and so you can definitely like an artist but you have to come into it with a complete open mind on it might be bad or it might be good and if you come into writing like that then you can give important information to readers because readers don't want to listen don't want to read about Travis Scott album being great because oh I'm buddies with Travis Scott's manager or something um, they really want to listen and they want to read to, um, they want to read about reviews that are real and will give them a deeper meaning and a deeper knowledge about the album as well. And with writing, did you get better with time or did you like learn from stuff in school? Uh, you know, with school, there's not a lot of, uh, music writing. <laughs> um, and a lot of, a lot of the writing is fiction. So, I mean, I think there was definitely some aspects of school that helped me with writing, uh, specifically with reading books and then analyzing them, because uh, that really carries over to a lot of the listen to music and then analyze it. And so I think school definitely did help. But I think the most important factor for me was just writing 200 articles about music. And um, I think that was what really helped me, you know, sharpen my craft and continue to work on my writing as well. Got it. I was thinking about like literary devices and rhetorical devices that you have to use in writing. And be like, okay, cool. This time I'm hooking the reader, see how to tell the story. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely I definitely learned a lot of the um a lot of the whole writing aspects from other writers. Um, you know, I think that's the best thing to do um, with writing, just to really go back on your writing that wasn't good and really analyze why it wasn't good. Um, you know, a lot of people want to look at you know, their best writing and say, wow, I was so good on that. But, you know, I think the most important thing for, for basketball, for writing, for podcasting, is to look on those episodes that were garbage. And you look back on and say, wow, this was just awful. Um, and then really try to dive into why was it bad? And how can I rewrite it and make it better in the future? And really make sure to look at those mistakes and to just not make them again. <laughs> Yeah, uh, remember freshman year college. It was like you know you're going when you're um looking back at your writing, and you don't like it. Even if you like it at the time, you don't like it now. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, a lot of my writing, but you know, I started writing about music um in tenth grade, and you know, I look back at those writings, and they were just they were just awful. <laughs> um, and right, you know, I feel like in three, four or five years, I'll look back at the writing I'm doing right now and say, wow, that was just awful. Um, and so I think it's important to always be improving and to always be looking back on what mistakes you're making and how you, how can you, you can improve. Cool. What's my train of thought? Getting it back. So with music, do you ever feel like when you listen to music, you get, you, 
like I think I asked earlier, but you, you go too deep into like the critical part, but then you forget like just to be a fan sometimes and just listen to music, just listen to it. Yeah, I mean, you can see that with a lot of with a lot of festivals as well. You know, writers a lot of times go to festivals and you know they sit backstage and they have their little notepad out or they have their phone out and they're writing. You know, this artist screwed up this set. This this artist did a bad job performing at at Lollapalooza or rolling or some of those other festivals. Um, but you know, I think one of the most important things at you know at a festival or just music in general is to really be in the crowd and to really feel that sort of energy that the artist brings off because a lot of times you know playboard cardi can completely screw up a verse on uh on one of his songs at a festival but everyone in the crowd is jumping up crazy and the energy is really really good and so i think that's really what makes you know a performer good it's not technically oh is he getting every single verse right is he bringing in the right features it's really just energy that they're able to bring to the uh the crowd in general got it it's that feeling sometimes just like this yeah exactly i mean it goes back to that that whole feeling thing you know music is about feeling um and i think it's it's always important to uh realize the feeling that that artists give off whether that be something sad something happy um and something more deep and personal with let's go back to music we talked about kanye talked about jay-z talked about the future talked about the past let's talk about the present i was um yeah go ahead, go ahead. Uh, yeah i mean i i think the present of music is it's definitely uh an interesting time you know in uh, the 1960s right you couldn't there was no social media. There was no, uh, there's really no media that really can push your music out. It was really just about producing good music. You know, Elvis Presley, all he had to worry about was flicking the hair back and writing a good song that would appease the uh, 18 year old fans he had. Um, and now it's just so, it's so different. Um, you know, I, I think Lil Nas X is a great example of this. You know, he's creating good music, but the most important factor of him in his career is his marketing you know he has absolutely mastered how to market his his music and how to start controversy around his music and if you're like a modern artist coming up i talked about this before but it's 50 percent about creating good music and it's 50 percent about marketing and that marketing brings in social media and it brings in youtube and it brings in you know reaching out to blogs like ear milk um and it's just so important you know there's a million songs put out on Spotify like a day or something crazy like that. And the most important thing now is to show that you're different from those other million songs. And so it's important to be creating music so you can stand out from the crowd, but to also be able to market yourself as standing out from the crowd. Yeah. And I don't know how T-Pain had that viral clip of be different. You heard everything already. Just be yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to sound like the, you know, the Migos have already created music. You don't want to sound like the Migos. Um, and so I think it's important to to be able to push forward what the music industry is right now um, and to also be able to sort of 
talk to artists, talk to other writers um, to get you to get you and your music out there. No, 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 he definitely is able to just keep people talking about him, good or bad. Yeah, <laughs> good or bad. I mean, he's a he's that whole publicity thing where bad publicity is 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 completely fine with it as long as people know his name. Mm-hmm. And people don't understand that he's playing them. Yeah, I mean that's that's the the craziest part of it. Like, he he comes out on Twitter and he's like surprised that people didn't like uh, his like devil shoes with like a drop of blood of them. Like he was like surprised by that, but I mean, he knew what he was doing. He knew this was going to be this whole giant lawsuit from Nike and all over every single newspaper in the world. Um, you know, with uh, Old Town Road, he really started it there. You know, he put it on the country playlist. He put it on the country genre um, because he knew people weren't going to accept him as country. Um, and so when he got taken off the country Billboard Top 100, you know. He was probably jumping up and down for joy because that's exactly what he wanted because that really sparked old town road becoming this mainstream massive pop hit um and i think that's you know he's been absolutely incredible at really stirring controversy around his singles whichever they may be yeah it's always been like i think i always been like the media of just get people to talk get people there and let them do the talking for you yeah, I mean he's he, he's so good at it. He he's he's so good at it. And I, I think he makes he makes good music, you know. I, I think his I think his music is, is pretty solid. You know, obviously it's not not any Kendrick Lamar, but <laughs> you know, he's I would say he's better at he's he's better at marketing than Kendrick Lamar. Um, you know, Kendrick Lamar really just lets the music speak for him. Um and Lil Nas X is just so good at that, really going to CNN and all those massive media companies and getting his name out there. And the media companies kind of need the social media to feed off the social media to then stay relevant. So it all works out in the end. Yeah, I mean, I, I read this article about Lil Nas X, and he he basically said that you know instead of working on his music, he worked on his Twitter. So he got his Twitter up to thirty k followers, fifty k followers, and he really started to get super knowledgeable how songs get promoted and how songs blow up. And, you know, he, the, the first thing he did with um, a lot of his songs was put them on Twitter, but he would just say, Hey, like, go check out my song. It would get like two likes and no one would care. And then he started bringing in this whole meme culture. He posted old town road, which no one knew at the time. And he posted a meme along with it. And the meme attached to the song blew up. And then everyone was like, Oh, like, let me go click on this song because it's attached to the meme. And that was really where he started to get his initial plays and how he got it charting on the uh, country playlist. Just genius. So just knowing what you're good at and is um, going 100, 100% into it. Yeah, I mean, he, he knows he's so, he's so good at social media and he leans completely into it. Um, you know, and I think he's gotten to the point where he can bring in a lot of the music experts that he needs with production, with uh, lyricism and a lot of that type of stuff that he needs to go along with his social media. But, you know, even, even at the current time, his biggest aspect, his biggest attribute is his social media skills. They say word of mouth is the best marketing and he causes word of mouth by having 
people talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then everyday people are going to see it randomly on the timeline. And like, what is this? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I don't think you could find one person that hasn't heard about him or hasn't listened to Old Town Road. Um, you know, he's he really was good at getting his name out there and doing every single thing um, to get his name out on social media. You know, he just released um, his new song with Jack Harlow, where it was like um, he was going through prison. And then like there was this scene of where like they were all naked or whatever in the shower or something. And he released some video recently where he said it was uncensored. And then it was just a giant Rick roll because like people would click on the video to see the uncensored version of the shower scene or whatever. And it was just like a, a little loading screen the whole time. And he like completely got like 50,000 tweets about it and like continued that sort of social media marketing that he's so good at. And we can't go well saying that Soldier Boy was the originator. Just in case you yeah. see this clip. <laughs> I know. He, he he would come on here and be like, I, I started all that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I God, he's so, he's also so good at marketing as well, you know. I listened to this this interview with him and he said that when no one knew him, he would go, um, he would used to go on Napster and on Napster, you could change the, the song title of a lot of the songs. And so he would put his song out there and instead of putting the actual song title with like whatever Soldier Boy, right? He would put like a fake song title of some big, big time song and they would click on it and it's like, oh, this isn't. Kanye West's new album. This is some random guy I don't know. And then start listening to it. And they're like, oh shoot, like this is actually a pretty good song. And that was really how he started uh getting this sort of traction with his career. And I think he's he's super smart with a lot of stuff he does. And uh he's definitely in the whole meme culture. I think he he definitely knows what he's doing with a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. I want to call on the podcast, but like I saw everything, like you right. <laughs> yeah, I mean. He's like, I, I put the first video game out there. I put the first <laughs> song out there. Like, I started Drake. And I was like, <laughs> you know, he has a point at some of this stuff. <laughs> Definitely. And then I guess we could talk about Ear Milk and how you got there. Yeah, I mean, you know, I started I started writing for my own blog um, called ATL Vibes. You know, I live in Atlanta. So I was like, oh, shoot. Like, I'm in 10th grade. Let me start ATL Vibes, right? <laughs> um and so I, I started writing on that. I wrote about 50 articles or something like that. And then, um, you know, I started looking at other websites because um, I was really in the whole industry or whatever um, and knew about sort of these websites. And I started reaching out to some of the editors and being like, hey, like, we'd love to contribute to your website and that type of stuff. Um, and so I reached out to Earmilk. They were like, sure, like, we'd love to have you on. And, you know, I was in 10th grade at the time and I was like, wow, this is crazy. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I started writing for them in around my summer of 10th grade and around 11th grade. And um, I've written for them for the past two years or so, about 20, 30 plus articles. Um, and I think the biggest thing that was, uh, you know, real eye opener for them with them um, was, you know, when I was with ATL Vibes writing my own stuff, I was really just having to reach out to artists to, to get their song their bios and things like that and now you know i'm getting 50 emails a day from pr people uh trying to send me their songs for uh for ear milk and i think that was definitely pretty crazy to see um you know i i 
my email has definitely gotten sold on one of these lists because Jesus, like I'm getting, I'm getting a ridiculous amount of emails a day. I did like the thing is with a lot of these PR people, they don't understand is like, you send me an email, there's almost no chance I'm gonna be able to read it because you're one of 50 that day. Um, and so I think a lot of the good things with PR uh, for music PR is to reach out to them personally. Um, you know, I think a lot of the most successful stuff um, with PR people reaching out to me was through Instagram, through Twitter and stuff like that. Um, because when you reach out to me through Instagram or Twitter, you know, I, it's more unique. Like I know you're not just sending a batch email out. Um, I know some, some writers don't like it. Um, you know, they have this sort of idea that, you know, don't come to my home. They think of Instagram and Twitter as like my home and don't DM me and stuff like that. But, you know, personally, I, I, I like that better than just a batch email. That personal stuff, you know, that, that it's a real, at least a real effort on the other yeah. side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, you know, you know, they're, they really want to get on the platform. Um, you know, they're specifically trying to find your Instagram. My Instagram is even on ear mode. So they're combing through Instagram. They're coming through Twitter to try to find you. And, um, you know, it just feels more personal and it feels a lot, a lot better than just, a an email and sending me an email from my email address. That's on probably 30, uh, websites already. <laughs> is this, um, sorry, writing for them. Did you feel like you're writing change in any particular way or is that you're just you? Yeah. I mean, my writing has definitely changed. Uh, you know, Earmilk really prides himself on short form articles that inform you about up and coming artists. And I think my writing in the beginning was definitely, it was definitely long. You know, a lot of my sentences were super long. Um, and my writing now is, it's really more punchy. It's much shorter. It's really getting to the point, um, which I think has definitely helped my writing as a whole. Um, you know, because readers don't want to go through 600 words of fillers right? They want to get to the meat of why the song is either good or bad. Um, and I think that's really helped me to improve my music writing overall. When we first started writing, were you scared or were you just more excited about this is a good opportunity? I was definitely scared. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that now. Uh, because, you know, when you first start putting those articles in, they're, they're not like they will, they will remove articles. Like if they don't like an article you submit, they will decline it. Um, and so in the beginning, I took a lot of time to really make sure all of the articles were, were top quality. And, you know, as I've started and continued writing for them, um, you know, I've sort of understood what they like to see in their website. And so now it's, it's sort of like easy, you know, when I, when I submit an article, it almost always gets accepted. Um, but you know, in the beginning I was so, I was so scared. I was like, oh shit, like I'm in 11th grade, like. I could totally, they totally know, like, <laughs> because I never really told them, you know, I never told them how old I was or what grade I was in, you know, they were just more interested about the the writing I was doing. You know, they, they read my articles, they liked what I was doing. Um, and, you know, I could be in middle school and writing the same type of articles, they would be happy. Um, so I think I was definitely scared that, you know, they were not going to like my writing and they were going to kick me off, but <laughs> didn't happen, fortunately. That's good. That's all that growth. Just sometimes I take that chance, but we we'll see what it is. It is what it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think that's, you know, a lot of the things with uh, journalism, you just got to take those shots. Um, you know, I, you know, right now I'm writing for Earmoke. You know, hopefully one day 
I'll be writing uh, for for Rolling Stone or Complex or something like that. Um, but you know, really taking those shots on sending those stories, sending those pitches to a lot of other websites is really important for for writers in general. And the second is before we end. So when somebody we do connect with somebody on like a PR person on what to write, how do you kind of choose the person to write about, and what do you write about about the artist? Yeah, I mean, the, the big thing uh, that's really changed over, you know, the two years I've been writing for Earmilk is that, you know, I'm really good at listening to a song for 20 seconds and almost immediately knowing if it's good or bad. Um, and, and I think a lot of, you know, a lot of general fans can listen to an album of a couple of songs and know if it's going to be good or bad. Um, and so usually when I'm going to be like, when I want to write about an article or for, for earmoke, I'll comb through a lot of uh, the emails or the DMs I've gotten and listen to a song for a little bit and know like, okay, let me listen to the whole song. Cause I, I like what they're, they're trying to do on this. Um, and so with a lot of the PR stuff, uh, the biggest thing, you know, they, they add a lot of information to the, to the emails and the DMs and stuff, but you know, the biggest thing is just, is the song good or not? And, you know, PR person is going to come out and tell you, Hey, I'm sending you an email. This song sucks. Don't listen to it. <laughs> you know, you have to listen to all these songs and really tell, you know, is it good or is it bad? Um, and, you know, there's a lot of songs out there, but, you know, there are some artists I look for in particular that are, that I've sort of known, uh, Peachy Rascals, um, some other artists like that. And so I think the biggest thing when you get emails from PR people, it's just, you know, you gotta, you gotta comb through, you gotta see if it's, if it's good or bad. Got it, got it. So, it's been 40 minutes, so like the last question I'll ask is, what would you name your origin story? Um, you know, I, I think I would go from the, the whole Drake song, started from the bottom, <laughs> you know, I, I think, you know, I started from ATL Vibes, which was this WordPress blog where I was writing crappy articles and uh, just sitting in my room, listening to all this music, um, you know, sort of from the bottom of where this whole music journalism is. Um, and I, I'm really trying to continue on this whole journalism thing, this whole exploration of music. Um, and I think, you know, hopefully, you know, zero to 100 started from the bottom of all those songs you know try to get to the top of uh what all this music journal is and uh you know i just really want to share my love for music with a bigger audience um so as i continue with writing you know, that's the real goal um to write for the biggest audience possible and you can share any social medias any links you want people to find you yeah sure um you know, my, my Instagram is just alexander.zwerner, my last name, uh, Z-W-E-R-N-E-R. -E -E um, and I'm working on a project right now. It's called Beatly Music, uh, just beatlymusic.com, basically like Ron Tomatoes for Music. Um, so, yeah, I mean, go definitely go check out my articles on Ear Milk. Go check out Beatly Music. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's about it. Well, thank you again for joining the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me on. It's been, been a pleasure. Anytime. That brings another episode of the Let's Get Podcast to a close. Again, I was thinking Alexander for being a guest on the podcast. For next week, I have my friend Kyle to speak about life at the college and sports. Hope you can tune in next day and hope to see you there.